Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at tourismacademy.org. Hello there, and welcome to Business Class of the tourismacademy.org. My guest today, Craig Davis. Craig from the beautiful city of Dallas. And uh, we've already discussed that I'm envious of his hair, so we can get that out of the way. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> How did you really get your start in tourism? When I, when I was a little kid, I started to work in a, on a golf course. And I was cleaning clubs in the back shop, and I was helping the customers and that kind of thing. And I got bitten by the bug back then. The interaction with the customers, I made a lot of tips for, a, for an 11-year-old all the way to 17. And I was the kid that had the most money in my pocket because I just knew how to interact and to have conversations and get to know the customers, even at that little age. And then I went, went to college. And then during the summers, when I was at the University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario, Canada, we would turn the whole campus into a big conference center. And I was allowed to work for that conference center over the summertime. So when I finished my degree, I I immediately started to apply to hotel companies. And really my first officially, you know, company post school was Hilton International in Toronto, Canada. Do you miss butter tarts? <laughs> no, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, such an English thing. My grandma would make them and I hate them. <laughs> well, it's forgot, been nice talking to you. That's that memory. <laughs> Um, I was in Ontario, actually one of the last trips that I took, and there were some folks in tourism that I'd met with for 10, 15 years at least, and they'd finally convinced me to get out of the city and go to their small little podunk town. It smelled of horses in the area, okay. and there were butter I think I know the area, but I don't want to just hurt any place so long. But um, no. yeah, there's... Yeah. And so did you have your first butter tart? I did have my first butter tart. And I got to tell you, you know, uh, I'm grateful that I did that. You know, oftentimes in business travel and, and you know, your experience will be helpful here. Um, do you find that you get to enjoy destinations when you travel? Not as much as I'd like to. And I really wish I could have done it all over again um, in many cases because I would go in and out of these incredible destinations and never smell the roses. I would do business. I would do what I had to do. And then I would jump on the plane at the back end and just come home. And I have been to some incredible places. And sometimes I've been in some incredible places for a full 18 hours and then back out again. I really should have rethought and recalibrated and, and really enjoyed the destination in that way that you just described. Because you really don't get the essence of a destination when you're staying in a hotel and eating in a restaurant three blocks from a hotel. You get a sense of it, but not the true, real essence of it. What's been your your favorite uh, trip so far? You know, probably Italy. Probably. Um, everybody says that. I know I've been to Spain. I've been to China. I've been to Hong Kong. One of the most exotic places has been, you know, not exotic, but just eye-opening was being in the, the Great Wall of China outside of Beijing. I... That was one of those times when I just kind of you know, really had to take it all in and promise myself I'd remember it. 
Did did you get the picture with the camel at the Great Wall? No. (laughs) (laughs) I got the picture of me on the Great Wall. (laughs) Okay, well that's good. Yeah, we were cracking up about the camel. Like you know, know there was a sign picture on the Great Wall. (laughs) Oh no, there was a sign that said taking pictures with a camel are not free. (laughs) Oh, that's really funny. (laughs) I didn't. I would have done it. I, I I may have taken a picture of the sign. Okay, yeah, cheapskate. <laughs> exactly. Um, throughout one's career, we get to meet some really interesting people. Um, who would you say has been most influential to your to your philosophy now? You know, I met a lot of people, but I would say there's one general manager that I had when I when I started at the Weston William Penn in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, as the director of sales and marketing. I was hired there, and then, unfortunately, the general manager was let go almost immediately after my arrival and replaced with a guy by the name of Joe Berger. And it was Joe's very first general manager's job, and he was an assistant general manager in San Francisco, came to Pittsburgh to be general manager. And Joe, later on, went to be the president of Hilton Americas um, for a number of years. But Joe was one of those influential people in my life that now even making decisions today, I think about what would Joe do in this this situation? And he and I only really were together for, I'm going to say three years, but he had such a profound effect on me by the way that he challenged me, let me make a lot of mistakes. But he was, he challenged me more than any other boss in my life. And as much as I hated it sometimes, he did me such a favor along the way by making me figure out my own problems my own challenges. So I, I wish I was a little bit more like him in the way that I, I uh, lead today. How do you see yourself most like him then? Empathetic. I think that emotional intelligence is something that I think we throw around a lot today, but I can spot emotional intelligence from 10 miles away. And I think I would rather have somebody that's high in EQ rather than EQ on my team. So he taught me that, that to really, really have the empathy. I mean, true empathy, not pretending. A lot of people do. All of us read these books and, and try to emulate. And But I think people that truly care, you can, you, you know it right away. They're, uh, they're just genuine or they're not. And gen, when people that are, are genuine to me, I'm attracted to them. Uh, just to, to want to do business with them. What would you say has been the most challenging business experience you've had so far? And what did you learn from it? Or what did you take away from it? When I arrived in Dallas, I arrived in a, in a very stressful situation. The, um, the relationship between Visit Dallas and our city government and our community was not at all good. And so when I was hired, we were on the... The, the doorstep of renewing our contract with the city, which is renewed every five years. And we had some real difficulty prior to that. And we're in the news for all the wrong reasons. And when I was hired, my, uh, the, my board chair at the time, she said to me, I don't care what you do, you've got to get that contract. So I came on and I was stressed to the absolute ends and worked very, very hard to establish relationships with our city council people, and then COVID happened. Boy, when you have those stressful situations, it really helps you to to put things in perspective and to be able to lead or not lead. And in the case, I had such a wonderful 
board of directors that helped me through it. I had such an incredible staff um, in an incredible destination that I wouldn't have asked for a better place to be during a pandemic than Dallas, Texas. So you moved to Dallas for this opportunity or you were already there? No, I am. I was in Pittsburgh. So I went from Toronto to Chicago, Chicago to Pittsburgh. And I was in Pittsburgh for 26 years. Um, I started in the hotel business there and then I transitioned over to the the Convention Visitors Bureau world. Uh, And that was for 19 years. So I had three positions within Visit Pittsburgh and I was their president and CEO for the last six years. So I was recruited into Dallas and took the position. And so that was, so I had a brand new, you know, compounded, you talk about stress, brand new uh, city, brand new job, and just not knowing anybody. I did not know, uh, not a soul, but I mean, I, I knew a couple people here, but it wasn't in contact with them. So I really did come in um, in, a, in a situation where I didn't know anybody, at least in the business community. What was the biggest myth about Dallas that you thought before you moved there that you could debunk now? What a great, that's a great question. You know what I, people, when I got, had my going away party in Pittsburgh, they gave me uh, big cowboy boots and, and a buckle. And, uh, and it was, it was meant to be a joke, but it was, I, I think that they're helping to, to further the stereotype. You don't see, you can see cowboy boots here but you don't see hats, not in Dallas. You see them in Fort Worth, which is half an hour away. But Dallas is is the most metropolitan, sophisticated city I can think of in the South. And that was the myth that that we're that big D stereotype, the Dallas stereotype from the television show. Um, None of that looks true. This is a sophisticated, very, very wonderful blend of uh, a almost a Midwest or an Eastern city with that Southern charm and those sensibilities that come along with the South in a good way. So here the people are incredibly, incredibly uh, just supportive and they, they really get a kick out of seeing somebody succeed and they'll do whatever they can to help you succeed. So the stereotype of the boots and the, and the belt and the, you know, and the hat is it could be for the, I guess you have to save those for a special occasion, right? I did buy some boots, though, because oh. there are opportunities to wear them, and I, I do. And I have a hat, but I look ridiculous in a hat, but I did put a hat like when I got here. So, and I haven't worn it yet. I may never wear it, but um, <laughs> I have all the, all the accessories uh, that I need should the, should the opportunity arise. Oh, that could be a challenge for your staff <laughs> is to put something on your calendar that requires a hat. Yeah. You know, I'm still discovering the city every day, but um, I'm taking a very purposeful approach to it. So when you're working in hotels, you get to see the guest and you get to interact with the guest. It's a little bit different when you're in the CVB. You know, how do you, how do you spot that you're making a difference with the individual visitor when you're out and about? You know, I don't think you do like you do in the hotels. I mean, I, I spent the first nine years of my career in the, in the hotel business. And I loved every moment of it. And you're right. You see the good, the bad, the ugly. You know when a, when a customer's happy. You know when they're not happy. Um, here in the CDB world, you're, 
you're flying at a much higher level. You still hear the good and the bad, but it is very much that you're you're getting the the whole industry feedback and not individually. But when I I make it a point to really get to know my hoteliers, our general managers, and I'm asking them questions all the time. How are things going? What you know? What's driving business right now? What's not driving business? And so those stories come up, but ours is more of a cumulative sense of the business because we're dealing with thousands of meetings every year uh, being pushed through Visit Dallas. It's a machine here in Dallas. It's a tourism machine. You have to understand that, that it's our job to keep chugging along and making sure we bring those opportunities to our, our hospitality community. So for us, the measurement in our ability is how many how many room nights are we, are we affecting? How many citywides are we affecting? And our performance is very easy for people to see because if we're doing well and our community is doing well, everybody, the entire uh, tide rises. And it's for us, the, our job is to make sure that we are moving the pieces with our customers and with our partners. And our partners are incredible here. And that's another thing that, that I, I'm going to give a shout out about Dallas is that the community here the tourism community is incredibly, incredibly close and it is professional and they get stuff done. So it is, um, that has been a wonderful surprise to me. A lot of folks misunderstand what a DMO does. What would be the greatest misunderstanding that you want to debunk? I liken ourselves to a real estate agent. We're bringing the buyer and the seller together and if the buyer's having trouble buying their house, as a real estate agent, we can introduce them. I'm making this up. We can introduce them to finance options or have you thought about this? Can you do that? If the seller's having trouble selling, then we can introduce the seller to different things that can help that person sell the house. The same thing happens in a CDB. We really don't have, we have a lot of responsibility, but not a heck of a lot of authority. So we can't make somebody buy or we can't make somebody sell. And it's our job to remove those obstacles that separate our customers from our, our partners in making that transaction work. So it's often misunderstood that we have the ability really to truly influence the, the, the customer to buy one hotel over another or one attraction over another. Our job is to make sure that we put, in this case, Dallas in the most wonderful light with our customers to make sure the customer is attracted to the product. And then we get away from the, process just in time to make sure that the, the end user or our customer has that great relationship with our partner and they can constantly that relationship and keep that relationship going. What's something your partners never ask you, but you wish they did? The misunderstanding is that we are, for the most part, we're not government entities, but we work very closely. We're aligned with our city. We are not for profit, but if we lose the credit as an entity, then we're, we're finished. And that it's so important that the cities trust us, the communities trust us within which we operate. So from our standpoint, what our hotels may not realize, and this is something I didn't realize when I went into the CDD or the DMO world, was just how small P politics really counts with this position and, and how effective we are. Um, if we are not making sure that we are aligning ourselves with the goals of our community, then we are surely going to fail. 
we can sell every convention in the world, but if our community does not embrace the visitor, which happens in a lot of communities around the world, then it is a very difficult lens for which to work um, for us. So it's making sure that we understand or we understand that community and we can work within that community to make them embrace our visitors. So the visitors will want to come back. I do understand the challenges of all the tourism and sub-communities. Uh, you know, tourists come in, visitors come in and they take restaurant reservations up from the locals. They, they travel the streets and, and they, they pollute in many cases. So they oftentimes leave the destination worse off than they found it. And, if you, and throughout that whole accumulation, you're not going to have a good relationship between the community and the visitors. And we don't have that issue in Dallas. I hope we never do have that issue in Dallas. And I haven't had that issue in my background, but I can see it happening. And it's, I was very impressed with Monterey, California, for instance. They launched a whole local campaign and to, and also the campaign reminded the visitors to clean up after themselves and to be, to be mindful. And that seemed to work really well and both sides embraced it. So I think you have to be purposeful about that. If you feel like you have a, an issue, then you have, to, you have to ask permission from both sides to fix the issue. And you just can't hope it's gonna go away. But we don't have that issue in Dallas. We're, first of all, we're, we're pretty big. And so I think that a lot of overtourism comes from the size of the destination and the population of the destination. You know, Venice has not had a good, has had a good experience with visitation for years and years. And that's because it is a relatively small city with a hugely you know, popular following. So there, I think that a lot of other countries have done a great job of trying to send their, their visitors to other places within that country, not just the ones that, so uh, it has to be a constant conversation, if you will, between, and I think the DMO needs to be the leader of that, to have that conversation between the visitors and the community. Uh, I think I might have heard your assistant in the background barking. Yes. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't have heard my assistant. Oh, no, I, I have one at my feet right now. What kind of dog mm-hmm. do you have? I have two. And um, they'll bark at anything at all. So I just hope and pray when I'm on these types of calls that, that uh, I get 20, 25 minutes of, of peace before other other things happen. I personally love hearing somebody's dog on a call <laughs> because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human. Well, you know, I think that that has become during COVID. I don't even blink. I don't think twice if somebody's kid is wailing in the background, melting down or... <laughs> The dog is barking and this this just I think we've all learned that that everything's good. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you to pick a car a number of one to ten. This is in Vegas, you're not gonna lose money, don't worry. Um, okay. but pick pick a number one to ten. Six. Okay. What's one thing you do that sets you up for a great day? What a great question. I think kissing my fiance and bringing coffee to me. That's a good one. Before I leave for work. That's a good one. 
I'll, I'll give you some kudos on that one. Somebody just earned himself an extra glass of wine later. <laughs> yeah, we've got this thing where I, I deliver coffee every morning before I go to work. And I love it. That's sweet. Now, is there anything I didn't ask that you wish I did? No, you're a wonderful interviewer. I appreciate the opportunity. It's a, this was a, a, an incredible experience for me. I thank you for it. No problem. As my niece says, I am tolerable. Well, that is a really great, great it, It's what she shouted at me as I dropped her off at camp this morning. I'll see you oh, later. You're tolerable. She's nine. <laughs> okay. That's a pretty good, good compliment from a nine-year-old, I would think. Yeah. I mean, you know, I couldn't hope for much better, I suppose. No, uh-uh. <laughs> well, if folks want to learn more about visiting Dallas or get in touch with you, how would you suggest they do that? Simply go to the web, visit Dallas.com. But if they want to get in touch with me personally, I have an easy email address. It's Craig, C-R-A-I-G, at visitdallas.com. You are the best. Thank you for joining me today and uh, having a seat next to me in business class. Thanks so much, Stephen. Appreciate the opportunity.